People ask me, Pastor, how in the world can I get the will of God in my life? Very simply, and folks, this is really simple. When you became a child of God, you very simply began to yield your life to the will of God that was already predetermined in your life. Why? It was God's will that you got saved. And when you got saved, you entered in to the determination of fulfilling that will. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. As I shared last week, God's got a plan and God's got a purpose for all of our lives. And as I shared also last week, that plan and that purpose is not hard to find. And today I'm going to take you a little bit further and help you to know that living God's will is a lot easier than you think, too. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. If you have your, if you're there, say amen. Okay, it's on the screen also. But I want you to take it, because as I shared last week, if you take this one passage, not only can you know God's will, but you can live God's will every single day in your life. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, speaking to you and I, all of us, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands. If you were here last week, I asked you to underline that. Okay? Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. See, the, the interesting thing about God, God is the author. He is the progenitor and the finisher of biblical economics, of, of uh, economics for the world of every aspect of your life and mine. And God says, if you'll just do what I have outlined, you'll live a prosperous life. Let faith or love and faithfulness never leave you. And then I ask you to underline this, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. Literally what that means is, is always be meditating on the things of God. Always be thinking about The old book by Charles Sheldon, What Would Jesus Do? Then, say that with me. Then, if you do these things, listen to what he says, you will have favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then here's something I want you to underline. Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Will you say that with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. No, I don't have a lot of repeating stuff in our church. We don't do that all the time. But this is something that we need to bury deep in our heart, that we need to trust him with all of our hearts. You know why? Folks, there's a lot of things in this world that's messed up. There's a lot of things in this world that ain't going correct. I know that's not good English, but it's good preaching. How many can say amen? There's a lot of things in this world that are just jacked up. Can I say that in church? Monty, is that okay? Twyla? Questionable? Okay. I'll try to work on that one. Justin, can I? Okay, you're good. Jarrell? Folks, if you ever want to be amazed at what a preacher says in church, check out this church. I amaze myself sometimes. People say, they leave church sometimes and say, Pastor, I'm amazed at the things you say. And I tell them quietly, you'd be more amazed if you knew what I wasn't saying. I'll just leave that in your minds. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then double underline this. Lean not to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure this thing out, folks. Stop trying to figure this thing out. Love God, trust him, believe, stand, and underline this, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. People ask me, Pastor, how in the world can I get the will of God in my life? Very simply, and folks, this is really simple. When you became a child of God, you very simply began to yield your life to the will of God that was already predetermined in your life. Why? It was God's will that you got saved. And when you got saved, you entered in to the determination of fulfilling that will. Now, There's a difference between God's will and God's plan or call or purpose. A lot of people put them synonymous. But in our Wednesday night class, periodically, I will do a class on finding the call of God in your life. Because that's my job as a pastor, to help you find that call, to help you find that purpose. And there's many people in this church that are fulfilling that call and that purpose because they came. You say, well, pastor, is that really hard to find? No, not at all. All I do is push a couple buttons that are waiting to be pushed. Isn't that right, Suzanne? Suzanne said, oh, no, I could never do that. Could never do that. My kids, you know, I love my kid, but kids, I mean, you know, and she's running the children's ministry now. Do you know why? Because God had buttons in her life that said, Sissy, this is what I got you called for. This is my purpose for you. And the devil was trying to keep those buttons covered. But if you hang around here very long, you know this preacher just passes the buttons and we get right there. I've gotten folks irritated. I've had people leave the church because they didn't like the fact that I pushed the buttons. Go ahead and smile at me. Show me some teeth. Don't have teeth, gums are fine. You have simply, when you gave your life to Christ, you've centered, you've yielded your life to the will of God that he predetermined. 
The Bible says that Jesus in John, or excuse me, in uh, Revelation 13, was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew the reason he came was not to live. The reason he came was to die to pay the price for you and I. So finding God's will is simpler than you and I know. We talked about this last week. As we read and listen we obtain and understand God's will for our lives. As we read the scripture, now listen to me, this is a little bit foreign. As we read and listen to what the scripture is saying. I'm not talking about interpretation, folks. There's only one interpretation of the Bible. I know a lot of people say, well, it depends on how you interpret it. That's your first problem. You and I are trying to interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets the Bible. Say that with me. The Bible interprets the Bible. That is something that we, because we got, you know why we have several thousand denominations? Because everybody's doing their own interpretation. They pull a scripture out of context, they make a doctrine out of it, and there we have another denomination. And let me share what I've shared with our church for years. I believe Satan's greatest strategy has been won. He has conquered the church already. You know why? He denominationalized it. How many Baptists you know hanging around with the Pentecostals? How many Pentecostals you know hanging around with the Nazarenes? How many Nazarenes you know hanging around with the Methodists? How many Methodists you, can I keep going? Because we don't believe the same thing. Folks, it's the same Bible. Read and listen to what the Scripture is saying in your life and mine. Because God's will is written for your life and my life in God's word. A lot of people call it the unwritten will of God. Oh, it's written, but it's not written, Tim, my will for you is. But every time you pick up this book and you open it up, and that's what we're talking about today, to give you those key scriptures, and there's multitudes of them that will help you determine. Because as we determine with our will To do God's will, we will begin to understand what his will for our life is. Can I hear you say amen? Ephesians 5, we looked at last week. Be very careful then how you live. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because this world we live in, the Bible says, is evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But what's the next words? Understand what the will of the Lord is is understand what the will of the Lord is the psalmist in verse 1 tells us that we need to stop asking the world for advice and start going to God's word can I tell you something the preacher the pastor me I'm not the end all folks if you want to buy a car You don't have to have my permission. You don't have to ask me, what does God think? Don't look at me like that. You know you've done it. You don't have to ask me, what do you think it should be? You think it's a good idea? Can you afford it? Now, if you're making $500 a week and you got a $700 a week car payment, I don't think so. There's some folks that pay more for their car than they pay for their house. Ooh, I'm meddling now. I've got to get out of this one. Can you afford it? What, what, is, what is the rule of thumb? 
Your car payment should not be anything like a, a tenth or a quarter. What is it, Vince? Well, no. <laughs> I stand corrected. But if you have one, <laughs> yeah, if you, don't, if you have one, you ought to get to Dave Ramsey's class with Vince and the bunch because they'll show you how to get that car paid off. You know, uh, my wife and I are Dave Ramsey, you know, that, that we, we actually followed, before we found Dave Ramsey, horses and stuff, and we don't owe money on anything except for our house. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it can be done, folks, even in today's world. Okay? The psalmist says, stop asking the world for advice. Ask God. Don't go to the, to the sinners or, seat in the, or sit in the seat of the mockers, but delight yourself in God and meditate on it. And this person will be like a tree. I'm sorry, that's Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This person will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, to stay in Psalms and go to the next book, which is Proverbs, and find chapter 4, verse 23. Because the Bible says, what is in your heart, the advice you're looking for, the direction you're getting from, uh, from the world and people, individual and not God, it will direct your life, Proverbs 4.23. So what did we talk about last week as we ended? It's very simply, God's will is a very easy thing to find. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 uh, If you go back in your Bible into the Old Testament, you will find right there in Proverbs and just keep going down about 10 books and you will find the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says very simply, it outlines how do I live God's will for my life? And it says in three things, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. How many are in Micah? Okay, turn there. I want you to find these scriptures in your Bible. It's on the screen, but let's not be lazy today. Open your Bible up. Remember last week we talked about how it sounds when you open it? Some of us haven't opened it forever. So it's... Okay, so open it up. Love mercy, uh, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. You say, how do you act justly? You just do right. How many, the last time you did wrong, you knew it was wrong when you were doing it? Okay, we have a half a dozen honest people. We'll pray for liars later. All of us knew it was wrong when we did it. Okay? But how many kept doing it when you knew it was wrong? My hands are up, folks. Folks, hey, this is called real life. People look at me and say, well, Pastor, you're a hypocrite then. Well, good. Come to church and join us. We need one more. Folks, we live in this world, and we deal with hypocritical things. We want to do right. That's why you want to come to this Book of Romans class that I'm doing. I'm not going uh, systematically or or, uh, exegetically verse by verse by verse. I'm doing it topically. Last week, we talked about the first three books of Romans. This next week, we're going to continue from where we left off in in chapter 3 and go into 4, 5, and 6, and we're going to finish it hopefully in the next uh, few weeks. But it's a great book because in there, it deals with that very subject that we want to do right, but we do wrong anyway. Just do right. 
Act justly. Love mercy. What does that mean? When somebody wrongs you, do right to them anyway. I put it this way, do right in the midst of the wrong. We don't like that kind of preaching. You know why? If somebody wrongs me, bless God, they deserve it. God, get them. Did you ever do that, Chris? Yeah, I have. Anybody else? Folks, but God said no. Pray for them. Do good to those that hate you. Love those that despitefully use you. Bless those that curse you. How many are loving that kind of preaching? This is the word of God, folks. Love mercy. And walk humbly. What does that mean? That you're only a hair's breadth away from falling flat on your face also. I'm only a hair's breadth away from falling flat on my face. How many think this is good preaching today? Folks, Galatia, it's in the Bible. Galatians chapter 6 says, When someone is overtaken in a fault, the first verse, turn there with me, it's in the New Testament. Galatians, you go through the, sorry? 6 1, first verse. It says, When someone has been overtaken in a fault, when somebody has blown it, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. You who are spiritual, that means mature in Christ. Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Is that, am I correct? Six one? What's it say? Considering yourself, lest you also fall. What is it literally saying? What it says literally in the Greek is unless the same thing tempts you. That's why Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm getting back to my notes for you clerics out there and you folks that have to follow the notes right online. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12 says we are encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12.1 says, because we know we have so many that has gone before us that has gone through the same stuff we've gone through, let us lay aside every weight. And then, does it say this in your Bible? The sin. And the sin that so easily besets you. You notice how it doesn't say the sins? Let me ask you, and on a show of hands, how many fall in the same area over and over? There's one area that the devil beats us to death with. You say, Pastor, I know. How do I overcome that area? Pay attention to it. If it's drinking, Find a new road home besides that bar you stop at every day. If it's pornography, find a new store to stop at instead of the one that has the stuff right behind the front counter. Are you all with me okay? Are we good? Pastor, how does this do with God's will? It has everything to do with God's will. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Here's the problem. Matthew chapter 6, and I brought this out during the offering, says we cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love Matthew 6, 24, not 34. I'm sorry if I wrote it down as 34. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. What's in this translation? What's it say? Money. It's the Greek, it's the Syrian word mammonus, which actually means the world system. You cannot serve God and the world system or money or the system that controls the world. You've got to make a choice. And here's the problem. All discernment in Christ and his will starts with choice. We've got to ask first, do I really want God's will? Do I really want to do it God's way? See, most difficulties with God's will is we try to live our lives based around the gray areas of this book. Well, are you sure that's what it's saying? Well, okay, let's forget this one. Let's go to this one. And I'm sure this is saying the same thing. You see, we try to look for loopholes as Christians. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. We're, We're trying to get away with something. When God says, no, give it to me. Put me first. Trust me. Lean not to your own understanding and everything. Acknowledge me. The greatest difficulty we have in knowing God's will for our life, ladies and gentlemen, most of us really don't want to get it. We don't really want to find God's will. Why? Because we know if we've been in this church long enough, if you've been in church long enough, we know that God's will for our lives is foreordained. And what if I don't like God's will? Have anybody said that besides me? I remember when I first got saved. I said, God, I love you. I've been living for God for a while before I started pastoring. And I said, God, I'll do anything. I just don't want to deal with people. You know what I should have done? I should have said, John, I should have said, God, I'll serve you anywhere. I just will not go to Hawaii. Kelly got an amen on that one, didn't I? Yeah. See, we think we can manipulate God. No. It's God's way or the highway, folks. And the biggest difficulty is we really don't want God's will because if we do, the only choice is, will we do it? Let me take you back to our text in Proverbs. Put Proverbs back up on the screen for me, would you please? What we began with. Look what it says here. God's will, let me, let me share this with you before I get there. Send your notes. If you really want God's will, if you really want to live God's will in your life, it demands nothing less than total commitment. Look at our text. In verse 1, what do we find? The words, keep my commands. In verse 3, it says, bind them around your neck. Write them on your heart. Verse 5 says, trust in me with all of your heart. Verse 6 says, in everything you do, in all of your ways, acknowledge me. Do you see the picture? It's total, uncompromised, unequivocal commitment to Christ. And this is the biggest difficulty we have in the condemnation and the frustration of living God's will in our life. Most of us, we're not too sure about this total commitment stuff. You see, the word trust is always at the forefront when it comes to God. You will never have intimacy with God if you don't trust him. I'm back in your notes. 
Before we can know God in an intimate way, we have to learn to trust God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, there in your Bibles, once again, turn to the book of Hebrews. You go, you go through he, uh, the, the book, you go uh, um, through the, the, uh, the narrative gospels or the harmonic gospels, if you will. Then you got Acts and Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Philemon, depend on who you were, where you're from. And then you got Hebrews. How many are there? Hebrews, chapter 11. Okay, it's 11 chapters in. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's stop at the first verse for a second. It's not in your notes, but let's stop there. It says, now faith. In your King James or New King James translations, I don't know what's it say in the NIV. What's it say? What? Now faith in the NIV too? Different translations say. But, but look at that right there. Now faith. Is that yesterday's faith? Is that tomorrow's faith? When is it? The faith you're living right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Literally what he's saying, if you will stand in faith right now, the things that you're believing for, you will have and you will see. If they're in God's will, which will come to pass if you're living for God. So let's go down to the sixth verse. Look what it says. Without faith. Without what faith? Right now, faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Underline that in your notes, would you? Without faith, you can't please God. Why? Because the first thing that has to happen, those that come to God, they got to believe God is. There's that big word, trust. I told our class on, on, on Wednesday night last week, if you do not believe this is the inerrant word of God, that this is the only word of God, that this Bible is your manual, then why don't you get up and walk out the door and go home? Because this church is doing you no good. If you believe that, well, you know, it all depends on this, that, or the other thing, there's parts I believe, there's parts I don't, then folks, none of it makes any difference. Because I can promise you the only parts you're going to believe are the parts you like. Am I preaching okay today? That's the bottom line. The only parts, uh, Oswald Chambers said it this way, the only parts you know you believe is the part you're doing. Now you say, well, preacher, I, I just, come visit with me. I'll have a meeting with you, and I'll show you this word. From Genesis to Revelation is the word of God. Everything you'll ever deal with right here. Everything you ever want to know is right here. Oh, that was written. That's thousands of years ago. That's right. It's called a living word. Just like our Constitution is still good. Hope I'm stepping on some feet today, maybe. Okay. It was a living document, folks. As applicable today as it ever has been. Even with the Second Amendment. Can I say that in church? Oh, here we go. I don't know if I'm winning friends and influencing people or not. Am I? Dale Carnegie would not be proud of me. But that's okay. We're good. 
So let's go back to our text, back there in, in Proverbs. Put it back up on the screen for me, would you please? Actually, put Proverbs 16, 7 first. Look what the scripture says. No, I, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. Put the other Proverbs back up there first. Thank you. How can we have faith if we don't believe, folks? That's all I'm saying. God's reward comes forth when we trust. The Bible is a his part, our part book. In our church, I've taught this for years. There's only two things that God ever did first. Number one was creation. Number two was Calvary. Everything else he did in response to our faith. When Abraham was called the father of our faith, the first thing Abraham had to do was listen when God called him. Abram, Abram. And he responded. He heard, he listened, and did. He became the father of many nations. Over and over and over. Everything in the Bible is in response to what you and I do. The only two things that God did first was creation and Calvary. He made everything, and then he made a way to restore us to everything. Can somebody say amen? How can we have faith if we don't believe? God rewards all of us if we'll just trust. So let's go back to our text. He, 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 let, me, let me read it out of here. He said, if you keep my commands, look what it says in verse 2. I will prolong your life if you just do what I say. He said, uh, in the scripture, he said, if you will take my word, commit yourself to it, uh, bind it upon your neck, on the tablets of your heart. In other words, it becomes the focal point of your living. Look what he says in verse 4. Because of this, you'll win favor with a, in a good name in the sight of God and man. Frank was telling me a story about this guy on his route. He didn't say I couldn't share it, and I'm not going to mention any names, so it's probably okay. Robin, is it okay? Good. This guy cusses, and I don't want to say like a sailor because I don't know how a sailor cusses. Okay, but this guy cusses. He said that he's thrown people out of his store. He doesn't want people in there, but he loves Frank. You know why? Frank is consistently, he is the same day in, day out. The guy finally came up to him and said, why do you smile all the time? Ooh, sound like an open door to me. And he's able to share. But there is something about, God, I want to do what you want that opened the door in that man's life. Because he said, I want to follow you, God. And he got favor with God. And what happened? He got favor with that man. And that's what happens in our lives. See, we're talking about the will of God. Is anybody making sense today? Is everybody with me today? Okay, look at verse 6. He said, if you'll trust me with all of your heart, with all of your heart, and you'll acknowledge me in all of your ways. Look what he said I'll do in, the ver in verse 6. He said, I'll make your path straight. He said, I'll make life a little bit easier. He won't make it simple. He'll make it easier. He won't make it without problems, but he'll give you his peace in the midst of the problems. Look at verse six, uh, Proverbs 16, 7, just, just a, a few verse, uh, chapters before that. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. So let me wrap this thing up this morning. Number three. Living God's will is not as difficult as you and I make it. I shared this a little bit earlier. Is understand, folks, everyday situations, there's many events that happen in life that 
there's no bearing with God. God has no preference on. It isn't an issue. If you, if you want to buy a house, go buy a house. Just buy one within reason that you can afford. If you want to buy a car, if you want to, if you want to get married, people say, you know, our marriage is made in heaven. No, I don't think they are. God can put heaven in your marriage if you'll put him in it. Okay? But I don't think they're made in heaven. Matter of fact, there's, there's a few that I've been convinced were made in hell. But we, we don't go there. But still, what are you going to do with me, Chris? God touched this preacher. Christians must understand and accept the truth that not everything that happens in this world has anything to do with God or the devil. We have in this world something I call degeneration. Since the fall of man, which I talked about a few weeks ago in this series, man's sin nature, the earth and man has been deteriorating or degenerating. But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound in Romans 5.20. And that God is still the God that takes all things and can work them together for good, Romans 8.28. We'll be talking about all this stuff in our Wednesday night class. See, each day is like a scroll. We only see what's in front of us, and we have to trust God in the rest. There are so many that fear what tomorrow holds, but why? We serve the one that holds tomorrow. Like I said last week, why do we follow horoscopes? Why do we look to the stars? We know the maker of the stars. Can I tell you something? Before was, was, God was. What are we concerned about? God's got it all figured out. Folks, can I tell you something? When you blew it yesterday, you didn't surprise God. He knew. Before we ever were, tomorrow was. Isaiah 56 said, before God made the beginning, he went and made the end. And then he set everything in place. God has been to tomorrow long before you and I were born. He already knows what's there, and he said, trust him. I've got it good in my hands. Can somebody say amen? You see, it's kind of like a thermometer. It might be getting hot, but God controls the temperature. It's okay. Matthew 6 34 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Isn't that pretty cool? He said, let tomorrow be tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Each day has got enough problems. How many can say amen to that? What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is do not equate all that happens in life as being God's will. This is a very immature thing for a Christian to do. Ephesians 4. Uh, once again, go back to your New Testament. And you go, you know, past the, once again, the, anyway, it's right there. Just go find it. Ephesians 4. said, don't walk and be immature any longer. Toss to and fro with every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced. Mature Christians will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 5, let's go a little bit further. Once again, past Philemon or Philemon, whichever. Uh, by the way, Philemon, how many know Philemon, our missionary to Africa? We're working on him being here in June. So he's going to be here with us from Africa, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Hebrews chapter 5, look what the Bible says. 
Now you should be teachers. Talking about Christians should have matured already. But instead, we still need people to teach us the very first things that we need to know about the Word of God. We still need milk instead of solid food. But anyone who lives on milk is only there because they cannot understand the teaching about being right with God. Why? They won't make a decision. They're still a baby. Solid food is for the full grown. They have learned how to use their minds to tell the difference between good and evil. See, I'm talking about the will of God. You and I, if we're a child of God and we're purposing to live in God, we're smack dab in the midst of God. Reading God's will will reveal God's will. When we get into God's word, God's will, it will reveal God's will for the situation of your life. And then the Bible says when we're reading God's word, James chapter 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to us generally. Because he's not interested in finding our weaknesses. Remember, God already knows them. He's interested in building you into strength. We must be careful and not take the scripture out of context. Because in that, we are purposing to build our will and saying, well, this is God's will. Once again, let's go back to the whole interpretation thing. Because I like this portion of scripture, and I don't like this portion of scripture, I build my will. Oh, I mean God's will. Whose will is it? I build my will on the portion I like. See, someplace in my Bible, it still tells us to stop sinning. It's that word we don't use in church anymore. It tells us to repent. It tells us to turn around from what we're doing. We've got to be careful not to take Scripture out of context, therefore building our will and calling it God's will. We all must learn that God's will will never disagree with God's word. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, it's God's will for me to get a divorce. Not in my Bible, it's not. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There are, doc, there are Scriptures that give permission for divorce, but his was not that. He just happened to like some other girl sitting across the church. No? And so guess what? I, 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 anyway, I'm not going to go there. But the truth in all of it, ladies and gentlemen, is God's will will never disagree with God's word. The will of God, one man said, will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. If you ever feel like you've missed God's plan for your life, or excuse me, God's will for your life, don't, don't get freaked out. Don't despair. Look at Abraham. Do you know we have the Ishmaelites or the nation of Islam, the nation of the Muslims, the nation of, of, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Arab nation because Abraham missed God's will and had a child with Hagar? This is where the Bible talks about the child of promise and the child of bondage. And the world right now is in bondage to Islam. Man, I'm making lots of friends today. You can chop any Christian to pieces, but God forbid you say something about Islam. Come on, I got two amens out of that whole thing. Think about it. Some of the stuff that I read in the news just blows my mind. 
This is because Abraham got out of God's will. Just ask Moses. He spent 40 years in the desert. He found out that he was actually a child of the Hebrews and went out and killed one of the Egyptians by himself. And God said, ain't going to happen that way. 40 years in the backside of the desert is what he did. But then God already brought him back around. Let me tell you something about God. If you mess up and you run away from God, if you're ever going to fix it up, God will take you right back to where you started running from. That's what he did with David. Took him right back to Israel. He ran from Saul, took him right back to Israel. That's what he did with Elijah. He ran from Jezebel, and he said, will you go back where I told you to go? Don't worry about her. See, God will take care of your problem, but he'll never fix what you won't face. This is what we have to understand when it comes to God's will. If we've messed up, that's okay. Just stand up and do something about it. Can someone say amen this morning? Peter. He denied Jesus to his face, but he wept bitterly, sorrowfully. Paul, the Bible says, was a fighter and a destroyer of the children of God. But look what God did with him. You see, our disobedience never takes God by surprise. And his grace never fails to be sufficient for you and I. As I'm wrapping this up, let me give you some some traps that you need to avoid in trying to journey in God's will. Am I making sense this morning? Is this all coming across okay? Some of you are shaking your heads like this, but inside you're saying, I'm not sure. Are are we doing okay? Get get the CD, get the message, go to our our website. Little Miss Angela over here has been putting our podcast up every week, usually by Sunday night. All of the notes are on the website, all the podcasts, and they're all free. So go load them, download them, give them to somebody else. Number one, Don't get too busy to pray and hear the voice of God. Number two, don't get stuck in your own mindset, believing, well, this has to be God's will because it's working out. Folks, there's lots of things that work out that have nothing to do with God. Number three, becoming presumptuous, or another word for presumptuous is arrogant, thinking that we know more than God, even though his word and wisdom says something different. Number four, probably the most important, Avoid the trap of trying so hard to live for God that you feel condemned already. Look at me quickly. You will never measure up. Please look at me. You will never measure up. Your pastor has been pastoring for over 30 years. I've been saved longer than that. And I thought when I got saved, man, it's going to be so easy. Man, 10, 20 years from now, man, it's, it's going to be so easy to live for. Folks, it gets harder. Do you know why? Because the longer you live for God, really live for God, the more you know who you are and the more you know how you and I deserve hell. We deserve the punishment. Oh, God's grace. He took it on the tree of cursing. Come on, somebody say amen in this place. 1 John chapter 3 is one of those scriptures that really is kind of perplexing to a lot of people, so I wanted to explain it. It says whenever your heart condemns you, that God is greater than your heart, or he knows everything. I'm reading this out of the New International. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, that means we have confidence before God. Now listen to me. That has nothing to do with whether you're doing completely right or completely wrong. 
It has to do with this nature that we live in called sin nature. So let's go on. Let me explain this. If our heart condemns us and you're really living for God, you need to challenge whether you have some secret sin. You have an insincerity before God. Why? Because we can never soothe our heart by external acts of piety. You know, giving lots of money to the church or to some philanthropist organization. Well, you know, hey, that, that makes, it makes you feel good for about that long. And then you've got to give more. Why? Because you're trying to satisfy and soothe that heart that feels condemned. When it's not God condemning, it's the world, it's the enemy condemning. Why? Let's go on. If condemned due to past guilt, we may find a segment of peace, yet not if we have this present purpose to continue in sin. We might have momentary peace, but the Bible says that God is greater than our heart, and he already knows everything. So you know what God tells us to do in 2 Corinthians 13? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13, he said, examine yourself and see if you're even in the faith. Folks, going to church isn't going to get you to heaven any more than going to McDonald's is going to make you a Big Mac. Ain't going to happen. Examine yourself and see if you're living according to this word. You see, God's will is simple. It's easy to know. And foremost, God says, if you want to be in my will, just put me first. Because when we do this, if we put God first in every area of our lives, then we're doing the will of God. Let me take you to some more scripture, Proverbs 21. It's on the screen, but find it in your Bible, if you would, please. All of a man's ways seems right to him. But look what God says. I weigh the heart to do what is right and just. Remember the book of Micah we looked at at the beginning of this session? To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than all of the indulgences, than all of the acts of piety than all of the showing up to church. Ecclesiastes 12, which just go past Proverbs, and then you'll find the Proverbs, then you got, some of you Bible scholars help me. What's after Proverbs? Sorry? What's after Proverbs? Oh. Okay, it was a trick question. Go ahead. Go to Ecclesiastes. Look what it says here. Now when everything has been heard, here is the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's my will. That's the whole of the responsibility of man. That is fulfilling God's will. Love me. Jesus said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Keep my commandments. The whole law and the prophets can be summed up in two things. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. See how easy it is to do God's will? 
Some of you have been doing it all along. You didn't even know it. Psalm 118, just go back before Proverbs. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than it is to trust in man. Charles Spurgeon has always been one of my great mentors. He's been long gone. He's called the Prince of Preachers. And he made this statement that I have used for years and years and years. God is too good to be unkind. God is too wise to be unjust. And when those times come that you cannot trace what his hand is doing, you can always trust his heart. When you cannot trace what his hand is doing, you can always trust his heart. Let's go back to our text. Proverbs chapter 3 as I conclude this session. Do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands. If you do that, your life will be prolonged and you will live in prosperity. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.